Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, a podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. I am Austin Wilson, research analyst at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. And I'm Josh Robb, director of wealth management at Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. Austin, how can people help us with our podcast? We would love it if you'd subscribe. If you're not subscribed already, so hit that plus follow icon, whatever that is on your podcast player, so that you get new episodes when they drop each and every Thursday. And visit our website, because on our website, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter to get notified with a nice little summary and a nice link to listen to that episode. It's exclusive on our website. So check that out. But today, your episode is coming in hot. This is it. It's coming in hot because we're going to be discussing the implications of the Fed likely having made its last hike of this hiking monetary cycle. Crazy tightening we've experienced as opposed to easing or loosening of monetary policy, which they did during COVID. They've ramped it up, tightened it up, and right now we're sitting at about 90% chance that it's done. We're no longer going to get any more hikes. Yep. So what are the implications for the market there? And I guess we should also point out the Fed is saying once they're done, which is now-ish, they're probably going to leave rates where they are through the end of the year. Okay. That's kind of their plan. That's what they're saying. As a matter of background, nine hikes spanning everything from 0.25% or one quarter of a percent, 25 basis points, to 50, half a percent, to 75, many of those in a row. Yep. And then back down to 50, back down to 25 is kind of the way that they've done this path. So nine hikes... From March of 2022 through May, we just got the last, hopefully, one, May of 2023. It has been in the top two fastest monetary tightening cycles on record for the Federal Reserve in the United States. Ever. Wow. Arguably, I would say the fastest if you look at it from a interest rate change comparison. So in terms of where you're starting... So because we started at zero, essentially, mm-hmm. or almost zero is the way the Fed would have seen it. If you look at the percent change on that almost zero number, it is an exponential well, increase. Change from zero, yeah. Not, it wasn't it was yeah, almost zero. Point, what, but 0.25? Yeah. But, but if, even if they yes, increased right. the same amount and interest rates were 8% or 5% at the beginning, your percent change would have been a lot smaller. So yep. I think it was a bigger shock to the system this mm, time. I could see that. Than it has been. So if you consider where we started, craziness, and that is fastest and hardest monetary tightening cycle ever. What did it do? Mm-hmm. It caused the bear market. Mm-hmm. It caused stocks and bonds to fall apart in 2022, and both have yet to recover yep. in 2023 thus far. It may... We're not so sure about this, but it may be in the process of causing a recession. There are a lot of things that are pointing towards slowing down of an economy, although we, you know, as a first quarter GDP, it was still positive, but slowing anyway. So one thing we do know, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, is that the Federal Reserve usually does not stop early enough, and they usually break something and cause some sort of recession. Now I want to talk about what this means for the markets, because... We're in kind of a weird position where, okay, maybe some uncertainty around the Fed hiking cycle is behind us, but how do markets typically fare when we get to this point? We're going to break this down, but if we look at the last four Fed rate hike cycles, the S&P 500 was sharply higher 
one year later after the last hike. Yep. Three out of the last four times. Okay. That's pretty decent chances. That's good news. So in other words, it generally didn't pay to fight the Fed. However, what is the interesting thing here, during the dot-com bubble, yep. you had sharply lower returns a year later after. So mm. that was the one time period where you had some pretty rough returns after. Yep. And that's a, because a year the, later from when they ended, yes. other things happened between that time frame yes. too that could have been a and factor that, yeah, outside. Yeah, this of that. is purely looking yeah. at data. Yeah. May 16th of 2000, there was yeah, turmoil that followed a year later from that. Yeah, so let's break down briefly those four, the yep. most recent four hiking cycles ending periods. So mm-hmm. one of them ended on February 1st, 1995. One year later, the market was 30% higher. Mm-hmm. The next one Ended on May 16th, 2000. So this is the dot-com one. That one did go on for 10% further downside a year later for the markets. One ended on June 29th, 2006. That one had markets higher by nearly 20% over the next Mm -hmm. year. And then the one that ended on December 19th, 2018, I remember this one. Markets, they sold off sharply through the end of 2018. Yep. A, almost a bear market in like a month. Yep. And then a year later, they were higher by 20%. They were, they were higher like it was four crazy. months later. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy. It was crazy. So three out of the last four, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. One of them, not so great. Okay. Yep. So one notable fact is that this cycle has shown that actually the market going into this last hike has actually been down the most. Mm. So if you look at the 12 months leading up to the yep. last hike, the market has been down the most of all of these. Okay. So we're in a little bit different situation here, as in it's been more painful, I think, due to the rate of change mm-hmm. that we had talked about yep. on the front end. And we do it's kind of unknown as to what that's going to lead to now. Yep. So there has been really one instance where the Fed has not caused a recession. Yep. Continue. Soon to be the second. Yeah, and we're hoping, we're hoping we get another one here. here. Yeah, Mr. Optimism. So 1994 and 1995, yep. that tightening cycle, the Fed brought inflation down, mm-hmm. but stopped before they broke the economy. Oh, nice. That is the only example of the Fed hiking cycle not ending in a recession. So usually these end in recession. That's, again, the only time. Yep. So their track record's not so great. Yep. And it's it's to be determined if they A, gone far enough or B, gone too far, but it's unlikely you're going to get a, this is not going to be like a Goldilocksy thing mm. in most instances. Yep. Okay? So more often than not, like I said, Fed causes a recession. In some cases, it was really quick. Mm-hmm. 1981, 2000, the economy in both those times fell into a recession within a few months. Of them stopping. Hiking. Yeah, exactly. Okay. In a couple other cases, like 89 and 06, it took well over a year okay. for that to happen. Now, how does that correlate with stock market returns? It's a little bit nuanced. The S&P 500 over a long period of time, now we're stepping back beyond the prior four, yep. but over a longer period of time, the S&P 500 has been lower most of the time that this happens. Okay. Now, it has been, like I said, higher more recently, but mm-hmm. lower over a longer period of time. If you look in the six-month period after the last hike, so narrowing that a little bit more, on average, over the long period, not just the last handful, the S&P 500 has actually been down 5.5%. So Post their mm-hmm. stopping. Yep. Okay. Again, it looks a little bit better, but we look a little bit further back, it actually looks rougher. Okay. One of the things that is a key thing to remember is that it's a recession call that really matters. Mm-hmm. So if we're in a recession or heading into a recession imminently, the market's going to be selling off anyway. Yeah. And one thing that the market has really been thinking about a lot is the prospect of Fed cuts. 
The market's pricing in Fed cuts later this year, second half of the year, a couple of them, yep. anyway, through the end of the year. And that sounds like a good thing for lower interest rates for really stocks and bonds should benefit from that. But it's really not for the right reasons. It's because of economic weakness, and that is actually not going to be a good prospect for stocks. When the Fed actually cuts rates, it's because things look bad. Yeah, they're doing the it for a reason. They're cutting yeah, the rates for a reason. sucks. Yeah. And that's actually almost always really bad news yeah. for stocks. So don't be banking on the Fed cutting being a buoy for the stocks. If the Fed cuts, that's actually, you got other things to worry about at that yep. point. What about stocks versus bonds after the last hike? Are bonds more attractive than mm-hmm. stocks? Are stocks more attractive than bonds? If we look at all the last hikes since 1953, stocks have underperformed bonds six months after on average. Now, even during the rising rate environment of the 60s, the 70s, stocks were behind bonds in the six months after every single time. But the interesting thing is that one year later, we had very wide dispersions of returns. So it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what this is going to look like because you've had stocks versus bonds having a difference of one outperformed the other by 10% five times and one underperformed the other by 10% four times. So like... Big number swings. So, in other words, it wasn't one or the other. There was a lot of times, mixed. Where, but when they do, they outperform big. by a decent amount, one Absolutely. or the other. So you just have to guess it right. But overall, stocks have outperformed bonds eight out of the last thirteen okay. times. And then again, if we look a little bit more short-sighted here, so since 1989, stocks have outperformed in the immediate time frame after that last hike. So that is kind of again, well, the only example where things were really rough was 2000. Generally speaking, things have been pretty good since then. So long story short, the Fed hiking cycle is over, probably. What does this mean? It means that, historically speaking, in the short term, we could have a period where the Fed's not hiking and the Fed's not cutting, so there's some uncertainty off the table, and you're not getting big changes in interest rates, so that's viewed as favorable. So you could have some tailwinds for stocks specifically to do okay. It's a little bit more nuanced whether that stocks or bonds are outperforming in the short term, but you could have a short period here where stocks could actually perform okay. Okay, gotcha. Let's pause and do a dad joke. Ooh, I like it. And we'll swing back into this question on the rate height cycle and kind of get on what's going on with the markets. Yeah. All right. So, don't know if you know this about me, but years ago I applied to an art school. Did you? Yeah. My focus is going to be on origami. Yep. <laughs> they uh, sent me a rejection letter. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it. Don't know what to make of it. Because it's origami. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever tried to sit down and make origami? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's stressful. There's a lot uh, of little folds. Yes. But I also could see that as one of those things where it takes your mind off of other things because you got to concentrate on this stuff. Oh, yeah. Right? And so you're, you're not thinking about anything else. Similar like I watch people doing other things where it's intensive but it's also just following directions, right? Yeah. To me, if I needed just a distraction, that could be one. Right. I would probably be super frustrated when it was all done because it wouldn't look like the swan <laughs> yeah. I was trying to make. I know. I've tried to do those. and I'm like, but, this is not right. Yeah. Something's not right. I could see myself enjoying that. And if I needed just a turn my mind off of everything else and focus on one thing that isn't something I normally do. Yep. That's what I do when I go out to the garage. It's my workout. That's what I was thinking. Like I'm building gonna, to I'm me. I'm going to break something probably. I'm going to bust a knuckle up, but yep. I'm going to have something, one thing to focus on. Yep. Building is what it is for me. Yep. That takes a lot of my concentration to work yep. on that project. But uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's talk a little bit about why the market environment that we're in could also have an impact on yep. this. So here's some definitions. Secular bull is really talking about a longer term bull market 
without a sustained multi-year bear market drawdown in the middle. So okay. many would actually say that we're still in a secular bull market and have been in since 2009. Okay, so it's a longer-term bull without a sustained drawdown. Secular bears are multi-year bears being substantially below the all-time highs with no serious rebound, a lot like the time period. There have been multiples of these, yep. but the most recent one would be Tech Bubble 2000. Yep. All the way through the right before the global financial crisis, mm-hmm. you pretty much had a lost decade. Yeah, that's a secular bear market, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got shorter term thinking. So a cyclical okay. bull market is a short term bull market. So this can be, you know, within a longer term bear, you can have some multiple cyclical bulls. And yep. a lot of people use like a twenty percent rally from a recent low or something like that mm-hmm. for a short term bull market. There, yep. then you can have a cyclical bear market, and that's a short term bear market. And that can be within a longer-term bull market. So if we're still in this longer-term bull market, we're hoping that what we're in now is a cyclical bear market. It's a short-term one that will rebound to all-time highs before too long. Uh, We also experienced one of those in COVID where we had arguably the the fastest rebound of all time. But that was definitely a bear market. It just rebounded very, very quickly and did not stay down. So those are some definitions. So what we need to talk about is the tendency that after the final rate hikes in secular bull markets like we think we are in right now, markets have actually had a tendency to rise. Mm. And this is an interesting thinking where, you know, the Fed's kind of done. Markets should be, historically speaking, more likely in a secular bull market to continue some upward momentum from here just because the net optimism is out there. It's kind of the way to think about this. Because we've not been in this beat-down bear market for years, we've been in it for a little while, but it hasn't been super deep and it hasn't been super long yet, the going-on theme is upward. Mm -hmm. We're still in a bull market over a longer term. Upward thinking, positive momentum should come in over time there. So that's one thing to think about there. Now, again, there can be puts and takes within these longer-term thinking. And if we retest October lows and even go lower – and stay down for a long period of time, that secular bull that we think we're in can turn into a secular bear, and that would be obviously very bad for stocks, of course. Right. So markets actually tend to fall after the Fed rate hike if we're in a secular bear market. We're probably, at that point, in a secular bear market because things are terrible in the yeah. economy. Things, Something's already broke. Yep. Like uh, it's a tech bubble, we had valuation issues and unprofitable companies and all kinds of crazy things going on as well as other economic weakness at the same time. So you had a double whammy of weakening economy, overvalued market, causing years to catch up from that. The global financial crisis, we had their own issues as well. Now that was you know, the part of the secular bear market that we had been in. However, it took many years, but we still rebounded beyond that and got into a yep. new bull market from there. But if we're in those periods where optimism is not there, you know, the market does not want to default up. Uh, we're not in a longer-term, optimistic-thinking, growing mindset in terms of the market. That's typically pretty poor for forward market returns. So, again, there's a tipping point we're at right now. If the market does not rebound somewhat soon, we may threaten this longer-term secular bull market that we're in and actually cause further downward pressure and really some serious pessimism in the markets. So that is going to be directly impacted if the Fed breaks something with their hiking cycle that is ending right Mm -hmm. now. So again, as a reminder, we talked about earlier, the Fed may go too far. Yep. Historically, Historically they do. 
They do. Yep. All except for like one time. Mm-hmm. So what is the reasoning behind this? They're using a lot of lagging data, for one, to kind of guide what they're doing. Economic Tons. data is lagging. Oh, of course. So it's hard because you, you don't know you've got to wait happen. for the data to show up before you make a decision. And, and the data is a month it, old. It's, until, month old. Uh, yeah. it's like driving from the rearview mirror for, to mm-hmm. some extent, which yeah. is a little bit of a challenge that they have to face. So it, that's a tough Unless part. Unless you're backing there. up, then you want to use a rearview mirror. Maybe the Fed just needs to go into reverse. Uh-huh. But anyway. You mentioned the secular bear and bull markets versus the cyclical, which are the short term. Do you think we're still in a secular bull market right now? I would say yes for now, especially if we're, you know, we're still within a within 20% of the all-time highs. If we dip below that and if we really test last October lows or even like pre-COVID highs, that would be really bad. Mm-hmm. I would start feeling like there may be some years before we recover from that. Also, the economy is key here. So that secular bull is going to be threatened by a serious recession. Mm-hmm. If the recession is serious, because most people, and I, I would say that myself included here, would say a recession is coming mm-hmm. at some point. Maybe it's later this year. Maybe it's next year. Who knows? If the recession is serious, if it's deep, if there's a bunch of unemployment and all of this stuff, we are going to have a serious issue for stocks, which I would say would cause potentially a break in the secular bull market to turn into a secular bear could take some time to recover. Mm-hmm. Even if we get a recession, if it's relatively mild, I don't actually don't think that has to break. Okay. And I think that that's kind of what the fed hopes for. They're not saying it. They're saying that the recession is not their base case. However, I think in their minds, they're like, Hey, if we have, it, a, it mild, if we have a mild recession, it's yep. not the end of the world. If 3.4% unemployment, how bad can it really get? Mm. So that's kind of where I think we are right now. But the real question, Josh, that I want your opinion on yeah. is, okay, so we got our last hike. We're in a little bit of an unknown period, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really know what's happening economically for certain. We know it's not terrible, but it's not great in certain areas. We know markets still have not recovered. How does this impact your financial plan? Yeah, mine personally. Yours personally. Yeah. Uh, so when I'm talking to clients, this question is asked a lot, right? With everything going on, what do I need to do to change? Do I need to adjust my plan? And usually the answer is no. The overall plan, you know, especially when we're talking long-term planning, is you should expect and anticipate multiple movement in the market up and down along through your plan, as well as you're going to get some recessions because recessions happen as part of our economic cycle. To see them every six or seven years, you get these slowdowns and these, you know, movements within an economic pattern are normal. And so, should you change your plan because we got a normal occurrence within a longer term? No, you really right. shouldn't. Can you do things differently during that time? For sure. If the markets are going down, one of the best things you can do is increase your contributions during that time yep. frame. And you know, if you need to tighten your budget, if you're on the other end of withdrawals, maybe adjust your withdrawals when your portfolio is down. But overall, it really shouldn't factor into your plan. Your plan should have a long-term thought process that has been tested that through these economic cycles, it doesn't impact the overall success. And that's really what a good plan looks like. So if you have questions about what is happening, this is a great time to talk to your advisor because they'll be able to say, hey, either A, here's an opportunity to take Mm -hmm. advantage of right now, or B, we built this into your plan. We did Monte Carlo simulation with a thousand different options of the way this could be. We already simulated movement. We're doing doing, better than the worst case there. I will say there are certain situations where you may need to tweak your plan. For instance, if you were hoping to retire 
and the market's down. If you have that flexibility and desire, maybe waiting a year or two and working is great. Right. If you have that flexibility and freedom, it doesn't mean you have to, but it just may improve your results. Yep. So there are times, depending on what you're doing, where, yeah, it's worth looking at it. There's nothing wrong with asking that question. But more often than not, the answer usually is stick with the plan. This doesn't impact what you're trying to do. That's what I would say. Yeah. Stick to the plan, man. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Hopefully this was able to give you some peace that, hey, it's going to be all right. Stick to the plan. But we do have some uncertainty out there and we don't necessarily know day to day what the market's going to do in the short term. But over the long term, we know that stocks rise because people spend money and earnings rise, right? right? So that's what we know over the long term. But thank you again for being here today. Hopefully you learned something. If you know someone who is asking about some of this discussion, share this episode with them. We'd love it if you do that. Always remember, we'd love it if you'd subscribe or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And check out our social media accounts on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Say hello. We'd love to see you there. That's right. Talk to you later. Until next Thursday. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.